Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie. It is April the 28th, and we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. And we're talking about really, uh, you know, essentially a lot of the things that matter most in this real estate market as pertaining to becoming a listing agent. Before we get back into our topics, would you please uh, share with the listeners your experience you just had with the amazing and powerful Lance and Karen Kenmore yes. and Kennewick, Washington. Is that Ken- it? Kennewick, Washington. Kennewick, Washington. Tri-Cities area. Yes. Yeah. So if you guys have any referrals headed out to that area of Washington State, they are the people to handle it for you. And the Kenmore's have been with us for, I don't know, it's got to be like 15 years because- Okay, they, here's they, how I know. Here, yeah. I, I was thinking about this before yeah. I actually was going to ask you to tell the story from their, your coaching call today. Uh, don't they have a kid in college? Yes. Okay. So I remember when that kid was born. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's how long so we've coached them. Probably about 17 years then. That's- yeah. Scary. Yes, it is. <laughs> However, also very interesting because we have seen them develop and help them develop uh, multiple spokes in the wheel. I mean, they, they are kind of the quintessential example of having lots of plates spinning at the same time. They have um, a commercial division. They have a new construction division. They've got regular residential. They have commercial. You know, they have listing partners. They have a very developed well-oiled machine kind of team. Now, here's what we were talking about, and this is this plugs hey, right hey, Julie, into everything. We need to do a public service oh, yeah, announcement. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, listeners, <laughs> we need to do a little public service announcement. If you hear a noise in the background that sounds like a, a French bulldog chewing on a, a nylon toy, it's because it's a French bulldog chewing yeah. on a nylon toy. So it's about to thunderstorm here where we live in Dorado, Puerto Rico, and. Maxie, our absolutely enormous French bulldog, gets nervous when it thunderstorms, and he wants to be around us when it yeah. thunderstorms. It hasn't, thunder- it hasn't stormed like this in months, yeah. many, many months. So. It's brewing up, and so he, he is yeah. feeling very insecure, so we gave him his safety toy, and he's in here. So if you guys hear any strange noises in the background, Chewing. that's Not Max. Us. That's Max, the office, Maximus uh, French-sized bull. I mean, how big is this thing? 40 it's pounds? 40 pounds, yeah. Yeah. Which is ridiculous for a French bulldog. The breed standard is 28 Huge. pounds. It's ridiculous. And <laughs> yes. yet, he's kind of a wuss with thunderstorms. So yeah, yes. we're giving Max a break. Yes. All right. Now, uh, back to the Kenmores. Yes. They have a, a very developed team, very well-oiled machine. And they, too, are struggling with the uh, ever-present lack of inventory. Okay? And here's the incredible thing. I find their numbers just staggering. Okay? They have closed or pending 200... Uh, between two and 300 deals, actually, if I think of what they've already got closed and I throw in commercial, et cetera, okay? And it, it's it's mid, it's the end of April, okay? That's so, a lot of transactions. So they'll, in, do, they'll yeah. do over a thousand sides this year. Quite possibly, if we count commercial, residential, everything all right. in, new construction. Now, about maybe 20% of that is new construction. So kudos to them for embracing that. How many times have we mentioned new construction to you guys who are listening? Absolutely viable spoke. We all know the builders are struggling to keep up it's your job to be part of it, whether that's selling new construction to your buyers, whether that's getting resale referrals from those uh, new construction agents that sit the, you know, sales reps that sit the models. Okay. It doesn't matter. You've got to take advantage of new construction. Well, 
even though all of those things are true, their Tri-Cities, they're not just working a little micro zip code. Tri-Cities uh, MLS is down to only 97 listings total. Now think of that as compared to what they personally have already sold this year. I was teasing them that I don't know how anybody survives versus them in their market because they basically are the market. And in fact, anybody that dares to put a for sale by owner sign in their yard is in contract almost instantaneously with them. So what, what is the coaching to somebody like that? So I asked them how many past clients they have. They have thousands of past clients. Legitimate ones, not just fake ones that some of you guys, you know, these are people they've done transactions with. Actual past clients. Right. Yes. That is their database. That is their new MLS, basically. Where mm -hmm. are they going to find matches for the buyers they do have? I mean, they did sell five buyer sides last week, okay? Um, but where are they going to find the matches? Well, what happens is as you see inventory get tighter and tighter and tighter, you have to turn to multiple spokes in the well. You cannot be dependent on any one thing. Now, they're blessed that they have the new construction spoke up and running. They, so they're doing two very specific things. They're hunting for more builders. They're actually putting together a highlights reel of how they were able to help this builder sell much inventory in so little time. Okay, so they're, they're talking about all that. They've done three phases with this builder now. And they're going to take that video to other builders saying, we can do this for you too. Because what are builders going to say? What well, do I need you for? So it's interesting you should mention that. Yeah. We do have to get to our topic. We but uh, connect them, Julie, mm -hmm. with um, Heath, Heath Moulton, okay? Mm -hmm. Because Heath Moulton and his family in, or his, his team in um, – where are they? They're in Iowa. Iowa. I'm trying to remember the town in Iowa. Cedar something. No, no, no. It's, I'll remember when I stop yeah. trying to remember. Yeah. They have sold similar numbers of homes this year as mm -hmm. uh, they as the Kenmores have. So connect those two because yes. what Heath has done is they have a very, very slick way of working directly with builders that your guy I can remember. learn from. Yeah. yeah. So definitely connect those two. Well, I mean, this is, you know, and here's the other thing. I mean, how long have we coached the Moltons? It's been, a, it's least, like a generation, yeah, a long time. 10 yeah. years, maybe 15 mm -hmm. years. It's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, we're, I feel blessed to, you know, be right there with them. I know. But I also, you know, when you know Me somebody too. that way, you also kind of feel like, you know, we really have to help them. It's a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, to help them get through this tough market. Well, I mean, one would argue this isn't exactly a tough market. For them. Everybody, for well, them, they have market though, dominance. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, so what are they doing? They are going after new, new construction because, you know, this builder is eventually going to run out of land. And then they're also heavily prospecting their database, their past clients and people in their center of influence with the CMA thing we talked about yesterday. And then if that person says, no, I'm going to keep it forever, I'm never moving, whatever, you turn that call into who do you know who could use my help buying or selling real So estate. here's a question I bet you some of the listeners are asking, and man, mm -hmm. we do have to get to our topic. Yep. Why would someone, like some of these clients that you and I have had for you know, 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. some of these clients have been with us since we started coaching in the late yeah. 90s. Same exact people. Mm -hmm. And I was just one of our first coaching clients, Michael and Robin Gordon. Yeah. You guys should Google Michael and Robin Gordon. They right. are literally, I bet you they're coaching client number two. They uh, are the most dominant agents in the main line in a uh, very expensive area in uh, Pennsylvania. Mainline Pennsylvania, Michael and Robin Gordon, Google them. So why would all of these people stay with us for this many years? And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think that's an, it's an, a great question that everyone should uh, be asking because sure. don't people normally think, well, you're supposed to always be upgrading your coach? You should always be upgrading your coach if your coach isn't always upgrading themselves. That's yeah. You can stop right there. Yeah, basically. and that is the bottom line. And that, we've had coaching clients tell us that. They say, if you and Julie – 
or if Jillian, you know, you uh, speaking to her, they would say if you guys would st- have stalled out years ago in your own forward uh, progression, in your own uh, aspiration, you know, if we, had we not continued to move, had we not continued to build our wealth, expand our company, if we ourselves didn't uh, stay ahead of the essentially the the curve that they were on themselves, if we stalled out and they passed us. In, yeah. in their ascension and wealth creation, that we wouldn't have earned the right to remain their coaches. And a lot of times you guys are, you're, you're really not very selective at all on who you hire to be your coach. Well, and, and also if you stay with the same kind of coaching pattern and you, you're not really fluid with what they're dealing with and how they've changed and how the market changes, right? So the conversations that you have with the Moltons or I have with the Kenmores now are completely different than last year or five mm-hmm. years ago or when they got their licenses, when they started, whatever. Well, when they get older too. Of I mean, course. The, the, you know, but we they're have, dealing with changes. Right. We have dozens of coaching clients just mm-hmm. like these that Julian have been blessed to have since really we were in our, what would it have been, our late 20s. It's extraordinary to think yeah, about. it is. <laughs> Considering we're both, well, you know. Well, you're in your 50s. Yeah, right? something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's amazing. I, and it is just, it's fascinating just to uh, just take a moment and show appreciation yeah. for past Tim and Julie, right? Sure. Because that's what we're talking about, showing mm-hmm. appreciation for past efforts, but certainly showing massive appreciation for all of our coaching clients. Yeah, and gratitude. Because those are coaching mm-hmm. clients, really, ultimately, they're all, you know, it's cathartic, right? You're coaching yeah. someone to accomplish certain specific goals, and you can't really, um, you're kind of a hypocrite if you're not actually doing um, ascension yourself. If you're not creating better, you know, bis- yeah. uh, creating better business opportunities for other people, and just all the things that we focus on all day, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's incredible. It is. I'm yeah. grateful I for I feel it. very blessed, don't you? Indeed. Yeah. So on that note, topic du jour, back to pricing rules and talking about listing appointments. Don't go if you don't know some specific things. We fin- we titled this one, Are You Finally Ready to Become a Listing Agent, by the way? So this is part two. Yes. And so the traps that you guys fall into with not winning on a competitive listing situation or taking the listing but having some consternation either too high or too low on price, all of these things get down to lack of pre-qualification. So we're talking about the importance of actually pre-qualifying. Yesterday we started this series, so we're going to continue it. And yesterday we talked about you must know things like the average days in the market for the specific property in that actual neighborhood, the list to sell price ratio, the number of homes competing with your subject property, um, and then is there new construction in the area that competes with you? Uh, So let me rewind before we get to that's point number five. There's a little secret that will help you with pricing. And I know this sounds really incredibly boring, but I have suffered through it myself, okay? <laughs> Next time you have to do continuing education, you need those CE credits, or now they're calling it something else, um, qualifying education. Take an appraisal class. This is going to help you become a more confident pricer, and it will also show you the actual rules that appraisers actually have to abide by so you can stop getting upset with them when they you know, call the shots on the price because there are actually rules that they have to uh, follow. Also worth doing is a uh, class at your MLS on how to actually use your MLS. Indeed. Yeah. I know. I know. Little, little known fact. Most MLS of, does a lot more than you think it does. Right. Most MLS systems, you can actually drill down to the point where you can find out exactly. You know, you're, so I'll set the stage for you. You have a listing appointment this weekend you don't necessarily know the two other agents you're competing against. Well, wouldn't it be powerful if you actually could go and know exactly how many transactions they've done in the last 12 months? How many of those transactions were sellers? How many of those transactions were buyers? Imagine if you are going to the MLS and discovering you're competing against two other 
agents, you get into the MLS, you discover that not only, let's say you're going on a listing for a million dollars and you find out that both of these agents have only been selling houses to buyers at, say, for example, $300,000. And you've actually sold listings in the price range of the house that you're actually going to be pitching for. Wouldn't that put you in a competitive uh, advantage over those two hypothetical competitors if you could then show to the seller what their actual sales track record has been for the last 12 months, only having represented buyers that aren't even close to the same price range? All this stuff you can learn from learning how to use your MLS. Okay, so hover on that because that's actually two points. One is learn how to use your MLS so you can look stuff up like that. Mm -hmm. And number two, use a pre-qualification script so you even know if you're competing. That's right. So, because you can't look somebody up if you don't know they exist. Yep. Or their name. All you have to do is find out their age. You know their uh, license numbers. In a lot of places, you well, can search their name. Let's let's. I, we you and I are yeah. kind of bounce on and off topic, but this is bringing up a really yeah. good thing that you and I used to do when we sold real estate. Oh, yeah. Is we were always in our uh, in our board. We were always one of the top twenty five in Remax. We were usually one of the top ten and sometimes top five. And we bounced all over the place. But what we did is we went and we got a printout. And do you remember how many agents there were in the Columbus Board of Realtors? Wasn't there like three thousand or something? There was there's a lot. There was, there was a lot. A and so what we did, and I know this sounds crazy, but we really did do this, is we got a huge three ring binder. And I don't even think we went to all 3,000. I think we just printed off the names, um, all the, we went to the MLS, we printed off all the names, you know, the brokerage number, the number of transactions, the dollar volume. We just essentially got all the information we possibly could on all the top 1,500 agents. It, it, again, I'm, I'm guessing on that 1,500, it may have been more, it may have been less. And then we put them in this big three ring binder. Now we would have this three ring binder with us when we go on certain listing appointments, but it'd always be in the car in case we had to actually pull it out. And then what we do is someone said that, you know, we're competing or whatever, whatever. We'd pull out the binder, we put it on the table and we'd ask them to look up and we, we of course had where we were on the list highlighted. And usually what you'd see is uh, the agents that were, there would be a handful of agents that were selling more homes than us, but generally speaking, none of them were active in the same market that we are competing in for that particular listing. It almost always worked out like that, which mm -hmm. was great. Because if the, you know, if we were number six, you'd see number five was selling, you know, 50 miles away and number four was selling in an other end of town. You guys get the point. So they weren't viable competitors in the eyes of the seller. Um, and then I'd say, or Julie would say, well, so the other agents you're thinking about interviewing, would you please look to see where they are on the list? And I remember so many times, and again, we didn't do this every time, but this really is a knockout punch sometimes when you're competing, uh, is we'd watch them flip through this huge binder. And it was alphabetical order, so we were making it somewhat easy for them. And they would get back to page like, you know, 782, and they'd find the agent that they were <laughs> or, also... Or they would give up after flipping and they couldn't right. find them. You know, Abernathy or whatever. Okay, well, it should be under A, right? So if it's yeah. not under A, that means, you know, he is not one of the top, uh, you know, say 1,500 agents in the entire board of realtors. Does it make sense that you would consider somebody that's clearly not that active in real estate for the job of selling your home? Or you would find out that they have only worked on the buyer side. They're right. not actually a listing agent. And that was a pretty easy conversation also. But you find out how to, about how to do all this stuff when you take an MLS class. And the other thing about an MLS class is it does uh, give you a really fantastic education on how to do a very impressive CMA. What most agents do is they go to the MLS. I mean, listen, we're talking about it's so boring, but it's so powerful. Well, you know, you go to the MLS and you print out, do here, put in the subject property and you just tell the CMA or tell the MLS to, you know, basically do a CMA for you. And you might want to, you know, hand pick the comps and whatever. And you, and you end up with some relatively decent looking CMA. But what you don't understand is all the art and science behind that. But when you do, when you're sitting in front of that very analytical seller, um, you know, Julie would be the one that's when we went on certain price range listings, more expensive listings, we'd go together, listing appointments. 
She was more analytical than me. She had taken the MLS class. She knew how to do the CMA backwards and forwards. And we were sitting in front of someone who was analytical. I promise you the lean in on when Julie would pull out the CMA was extraordinary. And when she was actually able to drill down, show all these little specific drill down details, and even if they had not paid attention to any of the stuff we'd said prior about why they should list with us, they were focusing on the fact that Julie had taken the time to do this really elaborate CMA. But all she really did was use the tools that were in the toolbox yeah. the MLS was uh, already providing. Well, that's true. And the MLSs are actually doing a pretty good job adding stuff on to like yep. a seller's net sheet. Some of your MLSs have that. You just don't know how to find it or you don't know how to use it. So remember that knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. You can do something about the knowledge part. And Max is finally passed out. So yeah, but he's passed, he's out, on your, he's passed out on your feet. Okay, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So, and so we talked about taking the MLS class, also taking appraisal class. It's really going to help your pricing brain. Uh, point number five, if you missed one through four, get caught up on yesterday's podcast. All right. Is there new construction in the area that competes with your potential listing? Remember when builders provide in-house financing, they often can sell a more expensive home for the same payment as your resale. So keep that in mind. Now, there's two parts to that. One is having new construction nearby at all can kick your butt because people walk in. There's nothing to fix. It smells good. They can choose their tile color, et cetera. People like that generally. But that's kind of, that's a bit of a fungible point because the fact is rates are really low right now. Rates are low. And and builders aren't doing a lot of buy downs, but they can. And what a buy down is, for those of you who don't know, is the builder will actually basically take a portion of the purchase price, give it to the mortgage company, which usually they have an affinity, uh, some sort of affiliate relationship with, and then they'll buy down the interest rate, thus making it so that even though the uh, purchase price in the new construction house could be as much as 75, 100, 150,000 more than an equivalent resale house. The payment's the same, which is, you know, you guys all know buyers are payment uh, payment shoppers nine times out of 10. And in that scenario, then the builder was is able to have a more expensive product and in many cases a more desirable product because it's newer and there's no uh, payment shock to that potential buyer. So these are all important things to know. Yeah, to just know whether that's nearby is that part of your competition. Now, how do you find that out? Sometimes it's in your MLS, but you should absolutely not count on that. If I was going to check on something and say 43065, I'm going to just Google new construction 43065. I'm going to look at the map. How close is it? Uh, Do they have builder financing? Do they have inventory homes? What am I up against? It's going to make a difference. Um, So we did that next secret was what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Point number six, what is the seller's time frame? Ideally, when does this need to sell and close by? Well, how can that affect the price? If they got to be closed, you know, today, most of the time it's going to sell right away. But in this case, it can work in the reverse, right? Right. So if you're going on a listing appointment, incredibly important to not just assume the seller wants it sold as fast as possible. You know, the seller might actually would, it, it might be very preferable. If say, for example, you know, it's almost May 1st. And let's say the seller wants to let their kids graduate and have mm-hmm. some, you know, breathing room after they get out of, you know, high school or whatever it is. And so maybe they'd prefer to stay in the house and through July. And if you're rolling in there and you're assuming they want it sold as fast as possible, yeah. but the other agent was smart enough to ask questions about what their ideal time frame would be, you now are a disadvantage. Yeah, so you which gotta, means you need to know what the ideal time frame is from right. a listing standpoint. And ideally, put that in your uh, comments, right? 
which all this goes back to using a very uh, well-written, <laughs> now he wants out, okay. a, a very thorough uh, pre-qualification script prior to going on appointments. Remember that the sub-theme of this podcast in yesterday's is don't go if you don't know. Don't go if you don't know the answer to all the questions. The questions are on the seller pre-qualification form, which you should be using. It is a script, but it's a script that's designed to keep you on track so that you know when you walk to that seller's house, the answers to all the tough questions before you get there. And that's going to make it so you have much more confidence. It's going to make it so the probability of you getting tripped up by any surprise questions from the seller is about zero. That's the importance of being a professional and using a uh, you know a professional pre-written um, seller pre-qual script. And if you have not yet uh, completed your 2021 business plan, it's not too late for you. We talk about this every day on the podcast. It really does work. Uh, the you know really the real estate treasure map which we want to give to all of you it works perfectly to help you fine tune the exact uh, goals that you have for the year but also exactly how you're going to accomplish those goals all you have to do is text 2021 to 47372 just text 2021 to 47372 and when you do we're going to text you back a direct link and you can download the real estate treasure map and we're also going to give you there's actually several books we're going to give you but the other one i want you to really pay attention to is think and grow rich for real estate you might recognize the title think and grow rich by napoleon hill so there's a public domain version of that book that julie and i are going to give to you along with some edits that we made well not to his manuscript but some some additions we made so that it's specifically geared towards real estate professionals so all you have to do is text 2021 to 47372 we'll immediately text you back a link to download both of those books so text for a uh, text 2021 to 47372 um, and you can do that while you're listening to this podcast right now on your Android or Apple uh, device. Just hit your SMS button and text 2021 to 47372 and let the magic of technology take over from there. When you get the links, just click them and it takes you to the website. You can download the books. That's right. So what is the seller's time frame? Do they have one? If they don't have one, it can create problems for you uh, and both ends of the spectrum. I don't know if you remember when we had a uh, listing that I think in the back of our minds we thought would probably take a while to sell. This was in Chesterville. And Chesterville was like this this city that we had to work to figure out even where it was. It was very much rural, pretty much out of our normal. It was a vacation it was property. A vacation. It was like a hunting cabin. It was for a hunting people. cabin with like 50 acres and a really beautiful lake. It was, it was right. pretty. Okay. And so we did our normal job. We got it on the market. Wait, I remember it was going to be the highest sale in the history of Chesterville. By a lot. By a lot. And, uh, but, but we did our job and we got it in contract, like in a day and a half to a, a realtor that we knew was looking for a vacation property. Well, actually we didn't know he was looking for a vacation yeah. property, but he made himself he known did, the second we put it for sale. Yeah. And we did, and we, you know, he brought, I think he did full list. It was like the perfect He deal. did. No screwing yeah. around. And we thought the sellers were going to love us. <laughs> and remember what Julie said. Yeah. Again, we sold in a relatively expensive area. So a lot of people had second homes in different areas. And this particular, I remember where they lived. They lived in Old Worthington. Yep. And this Chesterville property, it was probably two hours away yeah, maybe 90 minutes away there was nothing around this area it is like i mean i don't not know not a vacation just... spot it just happened to have a pretty lake and some nice trees right exactly and so the again nobody buys anything there for more than the cost of maybe three double wides like most people can't even point to it on a map it's that 
Kind if of I were to ask you to do that right now, you couldn't do I'd it. I'd have to look it up. Right. And so they thought when they put it for sale that they were going to have use of it for another summer. And they didn't tell us that, of course. I, I think they're actually responsible for this very point to, to make this point oh, totally. to these guys. Well, let, let's finish yeah. setting it up so they can relate, right? <laughs> yeah. So they listened with us. We told them that it was the highest price ever, but it was a cool property. So we said, what the hell? And what they didn't tell us was, is this was early in the spring, that they didn't want to sell it that fast, that they wanted to use it again for at least one more summer. And by they, I mean, actually it was she. He was ready to get rid of it. She wanted to use it again for she another summer. She hadn't broken up with it yet. She hadn't. Yeah. She, she basically was 90% convinced she wanted to sell and he was 110%. Yeah. Okay. So we sell it right away for full asking price. Yeah. No Mickey Mouse, clean financing, you know, everyone's. Perfect deal. Okay. And then guess what happened? They got pissed. <laughs> and they weren't just a little pissed. I thought for sure that, you know, we were going to be found dead. In the they background. showed up at our office when we weren't there, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, their actual their normal house was down the street from our office, so that was easy for them. I remember, I think we had to meet with them like on a Sunday afternoon or something that was really uncomfortable. Just so they could yell at us. Just And they sat there for like a half an hour and just read us the riot act for selling that house so fast. Right. And I remember you and I, at the time, I think we were watching The Twilight Zone. We were like, <laughs> what have we wandered into you have a freaking house in the middle of nowhere we sold it instantly for the highest price ever known to and they mankind. made and they made a ton of money on it too and they made a killing on it and and, and you're mad do you remember what she did for a living i just remembered i don't remember he was a military guy i uh, don't remember do you remember she tile remember she oh, sold tile yes. oh that's right that's been that funny i'm remembering all that look this, how much this is Julie, burned this is, into our memory yeah though. this is called emotional scars from selling real estate it is and we share them with all of you <laughs> listeners so that you won't have to suffer the same i fate. mean can you guys imagine julie and i we looked like we were probably 11 you know between the two of us <laughs> sitting in front of these kind of scary people that were probably in their 40s just thinking maybe they were going to have us over for tea to say thank you. We thought that. We honestly <laughs> thought we were going to go over there and they're going to thank us. No, we were going over there so they could yell at us for no clear reason, by the way. I know. You know, and I remember they had this, you, they had this big conspiracy in their head that we oh, underpriced yes. it. And we knew some real, just this crazy, well, all this course, crazy talk. Of course, because you know, when it, back then when it sold right away, it was, it was because you had to have underpriced it. Not but you did a good it was job. really our fault at the end of the day. Yes. I mean, for maybe attracting crazy people. But that aside, <laughs> it was our fault for not having asked what their ideal time frame was because we just assumed they wanted it sold fast. That's right. Because, you know, I mean, most people, that's the goal, but you cannot make that assumption. I'm going to give you another quick story from one of our coaching clients that made this mistake on the buyer but, side. But honestly, yeah. what a crazy reason to piss somebody off. I know. Because you do exactly what they asked you to do and you do exactly what you were promised you I could know. do at or beyond what you maybe would have hap, hoped to have hap, happened in the best case scenario. But it was our mistake for not having asked that question. Ultimately. And actually, listeners, it did end up closing, so... Yeah, go. it did end up closing, but that that is yeah. where we start integrating that question <laughs> into our seller pre-qualification script. That's right, because I don't think we did much of that until then. Mm -mm. Uh, now, that's on the listing side. So listing agents find out, put it in the comments. Now, one of our coaching clients recently gave me a lamentable story that goes like this. I wrote the perfect offer where we went like 40 grand over list price. I you know, thought that we came in really strong, no contingencies, waived the appraisal, waived the inspection. And we said that, they, that we could close in two weeks. Why didn't I get it? And I said, well, let's find out. And their homework assignment was to call the listing agent and find out. And the listing agent said, well, didn't you read the comments I put in the MLS? The seller wanted a three-month lease back. <laughs> okay. Now, the buyer's agent was working their butt off right. trying to do the right thing for their client. But again, they lost because of the assumptive and not because they asked questions. Yep. And yeah. that really is the bottom line, guys. This is the reason. So what happens sometimes is your emotions get the best of you, right? Yeah. 
you get a call from a seller. Maybe it's a seller you know, maybe it's a seller you don't know. Who cares how you got the lead? The lead comes in, you then basically book the appointment. You have no system in place. You're not pre-qualifying the seller. You're not asking the right questions in the right order. You're then going before you know. You're walking into a scenario where you are most assuredly going to make not one mistake, but many mistakes. And if you get the listing, you're straight up lucky, but chances are that's not going to be a good experience for either one of you because you're having to discover along the way what really what you should have discovered prior to going on the appointment. And the point of the pre-qual script is not to pre-qual the, script, pre-qual the seller into not taking the listing or wanting to go on the that's appointment. Right. That is not the point. The point is so that you can better serve that seller. So you know what is important to them. Don't assume anything. It is a rookie mistake to assume the most important thing to a seller is the net uh, proceeds from the sale of the transaction. Or the quickness of the sale. Right. You guys have to ask the questions. And then you're, uh, this is a hard lesson for many of you to learn. But I would guess that 90% of the time, the most important thing to the seller is not the amount of money they make from the sale. No, I would agree with that. And I think... It's very different now because I would I would say probably the leading concern is buying them time mm-hmm. for the move or having a strategy for the move is more important. They know that they're going to cash out and get a pretty good check at closing. It's all about, you know, the stress involved in it. That's right. That's and, your and job. And how can you alleviate the stress? I mean, how much conflict do you guys have because you didn't ask questions in the first place? But that's the reason ultimately agents who don't follow up, you know, professional system like what we coach you guys to do. Agents who essentially are just operating as if they were, you know, not concerned about what's most important to the seller, you guys will become obsolete. You're the ones that are going to get essentially sucked under by the tech companies. You're going to be the ones that essentially make yourselves redundant because you didn't actually give the market what the market truly deserves. There will be some sellers who just want a fast transaction and want to, you know, click a few boxes on a computer screen and be done with it. But most people are going to need uh, a lot of hand-holding because remember, the buying and selling of real estate, especially in a market like this, is one of the most stressful things that people are ever going to experience in their mm-hmm. lifetime. It's right up there with the birth of a baby, the death of a you know someone losing a job. It is a major stressor in people's mm-hmm. lives. And, and if you think about it, uh, for most people, they never make big financial decisions. They never uh, put themselves in situations where they're making any sort of decision that's beyond whether they should get a venti or a latte, right? That's yeah. about as extreme as most people deal with on an ongoing daily basis. When when you come to a real estate transaction, your job is to make the process simple. Your job is to remove the stress. The better you do at that, the frankly, the more success you're going to experience. Now, Julie and I deserve to get yelled at by those people who we did a yep. phenomenal job for because we did not do what they thought maybe intuitively somehow we would have figured out through osmosis. I don't really know. But it wasn't their job to read our mind and tell us what we or didn't know. Or ours to theirs. We should have just asked the question. We should have just asked the question. Yeah. And I think we need to wrap here so that we can do the rest of the points tomorrow since we're giving them so much to chew on. Yep. You know, I want you guys to take action steps on this. The best action step you can do is to perhaps get involved with our coaching. You can go to timandjulieharris.com and just sign up and get your seller prequalification. We also have buyer prequalification scripts. But we've given you a lot on the past two days to take action on, right? We've given you things like if, if you're not asking these questions, start asking these questions. Write them down. You're going to have smoother transactions. You're going to be more of service to your clients. You're going to get more referrals as a result and have less conflict. And so here, Julie just told you how to sign up for our coaching. Just go to timandjulieharris.com. When you see coaching programs at the top, 
uh, pull it down the menu and then click on Premier Coaching and just sign yourself up for Premier Coaching. It's not that difficult. We can help you. Uh, there's various different ways and cost structure. It's all there for you. Just go and you know pop over there, timandjulieharris.com, and check it out. Um, in the meantime, if you've not downloaded your 2021 business plan yet, text 2021 to 47372. Text 2021 to 47372. And yes, Julie, I think this is a good jumping off point. I think we've, uh, I think actually we've done well because this whole time Max did not make any noise <laughs> or given that he's a Frenchie, he didn't do the other thing that most Frenchies are famous for. Ooh, les pieux. <laughs> <laughs> good Fre- job, Maxie. Frenchies, Frenchies, if you guys own one or have ever heard about them, they're very famous for their ability to make... Uh, clear a room, we'll say. Clear a room. Let's... He's saving it up for when I take him to the vet later. <laughs> exactly, oh, when you're in the car with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.